Hello, everyone. Before we get into the Little Shop of Horrors and our brave return to the plague-ridden world of live-action theater, <laughs> uh, we have an announcement for those of you in Southern California. Very important. Yeah, we're uh, going to actually have a live event <laughs> on Friday, live. October 15th. Not for this, though. No. <laughs> no. So I don't have a book tour. I have a book <laughs> event. event. <laughs> I have a book tour of one stop in San Diego, California at Mysterious Galaxy Bookstore on Friday, October 15th Ooh. in conversation with Kaveh Taharian. Oh, he's going to be there? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> So if, if you if you if you want to see uh, those smooth ad reads guy in live person. in person, well, yeah. we yeah, it's a ticketed event. It's uh, limited uh, audience, uh, vaccinated only, social distancing, blah, 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 blah. all that stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. That keep stuff. it safe. So the event link will be in the description of this episode. And you come see us in person. Yeah, come see us in hi. person, and we'll talk about my book is full of sadness. Yeah, <laughs> and Phantom probably and Phantom, at yeah. some point. Yeah, there's there's plenty of Phantom. Yeah. Don't you worry. <laughs> anyway, and on with the show. This episode is brought to you by MUBI, a curated streaming service showing exceptional films from all around the globe. Every day, MUBI premieres a new film, from brand new work by emerging filmmakers to modern masterpieces from today's greatest icons. There's always something new to discover, such as Nine Muses of Star Empire. In this documentary, director Lee Hark Jun gained extraordinary access to the inner workings of K-pop agency Star Empire and spent a year observing the casting, training, and attempted launch of the new girl group, Nine Muses. A rare look into the world of K-pop, Nine Muses of Star Empire is not just an expose on the inner workings of the K-pop industry, it's also a genuine portrait of the artistic process and the many obstacles of fame. A perfect film for anyone who loves music documentaries, and of course, all you K-pop stands out there. So try Mubi free for 30 days at Mubi.com slash musicalsplaining. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash musicalsplaining for a whole month of great cinema for free. The best cinema at your fingertips, streaming anytime, anywhere. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Musical Splaining Podcast that is finally, after at long last, coming to you from New York City. There's nobody here other than us. I thought there was going to be giant applause. Hold on, add that in. A lot of applause. (laughs) Uh, I'm your host and current New York person, Kavadarian. I am your other host and former New York person. Former New York person. (laughs) I actually lived here, Lindsay Ellis. Uh, and today we're joined by a person of the Elvira-ish sort of <laughs> the Elvira persuasion <laughs> variety. <laughs> uh, Elisa Hanson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. I'm also a former New York person. I lived here for 15 years. Oh, okay. That makes me a New Yorker by New Yorker standards. By New York standards, yeah. Uh, we're here because you know all about horror, apparently, right? Horror, yes, it's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to watch the Little Shop of Horrors musical. Which uh, is apparently cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Darn, know these yeah. things. I'm glad that you have such positive expectations. <laughs> yeah. Well, I heard it's got puppets, right? Yeah, Which it is does. Kind of, yes. Like, I'm honestly really excited for this one because, like, uh, you know, Little Shop of Horrors is kind of one of those that, like, generally is not necessarily as good as its production, mm-hmm. you know, because I've seen some meh 
productions that um, were, you know, still pretty fun because the show is really fun and mm-hmm. it's definitely got some bops and it's short. Yeah. Um, okay. Although I do think it has an intermission, so it's not that short. It's not Jesus Christ Superstar short. Right. It, it's kind of unique in that, uh, you know, it was made before the era of, you know, mega musical. It was like before Les Mis had crossed the pond. Um, before Les Mis before was Andrew like Lloyd even Weber English was translated. Like yeah, before, uh, <laughs> before Phantom became translated. a thing. And it was also what made Alan Menken famous and therefore, I guess, indirectly what we have to thank for the whole Disney renaissance. Yeah, shit, that's crazy. Uh, I only know about it because of, you know, the movie, which I feel like I saw entirely too young. Because I remember thinking it was like, oh, cool. It has like this crazy big puppet in so it with Rick Moranis. But then, I mean, not since I was like really little, but like obviously not the stage music. Do you remember what it's about? It's directed uh, by Frank Oz, you know. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, shit. No, I just remember being weirdly violent and being like, I probably shouldn't be watching that. I'm talking about like real little. Like, I don't know. How old is the movie? Movies from like the early 80s Late or something, 80s. right? Mid 80s. Yeah. Uh, that's all I remember. I probably <laughs> haven't seen it since the 80s. then. Like, the between 80s. the three of us, one of those, right? Yeah. The movie was 86. Musical 86. was 82, so. I don't. I just remember the what was the plant's name? Audrey Two. Audrey Two. I thought it had a weirder name, like a. No, it's also the 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 love interest name is Audrey, and so Seymour in his bottomless. Oh, Seymour uh, is the name. I, I think yeah. I thought it, that's how little I was. I thought the plant's name was Seymour. <laughs> Seymour in his bottomless creativity names the plant Audrey Two oh, after his unrequited love. And it's funny because Audrey Two is a very deep male voice, but he has a girly name. Haha, eighties humor. Lol. Mm. <laughs> Because the last production I saw, Audrey 2 was voiced by a girl. Yeah. It was another Audrey. Audrey 3. Okay. <laughs> Would you say that Little Shop is your favorite show? It's one of my favorite. It's my favorite show that's also the best show. Like, mm. my other shows are sort of, like, guilty pleasures. Like, like this show isn't good, but I love it for reasons. But sure. Little Shop is my, like, unguiltily favorite show of, like, no shame here. Well, as long as we're being guilty, um, <laughs> how many times have you seen Phantom? <sighs> Always back to Phantom, man. <laughs> 27? What the fuck? <laughs> How, okay, hold up. Let's back up here. All right, what are you oh, spending? Oh, like, I don't think we've ever Clearly, you don't know how we know each other. Uh. <laughs> so Lindsay Ellis and I met in the Phantom of the Opera chat room when she was 16 years Her old. AOL screen name was Christine Dye. It sure was. Oh, no. 20, that's so much money over the course okay. of years. When I moved here, when I was 18, I moved to New York City in I 2001. I paid for one of those. <laughs> I went to see Phantom. They they would do this thing was where if they, it was like the day of and they hadn't sold all the tickets, they would sell the front row seats, which I think they reserved for things, but no one mm-hmm. ever wanted them. So they would sell them off for $25. So okay, you could get fine. a day of Phantom of the Opera ticket for $25. Okay, that's a little bit more acceptable. I'm sorry. I thought you were spending like $150 every time over 26 No, it used to be way like, cheaper. Yeah, and the back then, row is always $39. was the most Oh, okay. like the, the most expensive seats were only 100 back then. Uh, OK, that's a little less terrifying. Yeah. I thought you're talking like, you know, up into like the three thousands of yeah. dollars. No, there was a time when I was a poor she, college student. She, <laughs> but she had like the most phantom merch of anyone on the entire Internet. Goodness. I, I think that's still the case. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? All right. Well, you got rid of a bunch of it. Yes. But I think my cumulative total was still more than anyone else's cumulative we're total has been. Yeah. In the presence it's just the thing with this family. <laughs> they They collect things. They hoard. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I don't live with one of those. Uh, but going off of what your question was, why is this the best musical? It's tight. It's solid. Like the musical themes relate to the theme themes. It's okay. just like everything links together. It has no 
boring spots, no slow spots. Everything just like moves along. It's funny. It's enjoyable. You're laughing the entire time. And if you have good performers, the music really showcases the voices really well. So you Mm -hmm. get some really good musical theater, just like show stopping performances. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The last version I saw was um, the cast was Interesting. I'm not sure how it worked because uh, the Audrey I saw was uh, M- MJ Rodriguez, who uh, I believe is most famous for Pose. Where did you see this production? It was at the Pasadena Playhouse. And it was interesting because like these two productions, this one that we're about to see and the Pasadena Playhouse one started at about the same time. This production um, being the official yeah, off-Broadway. Yeah, the off-Broadway production. In New York City. Started with Jonathan Groff, regrettably, or yeah. maybe fortunately. Uh, Jonathan Groff, who you would know as. as uh, uh, the guy from Mindhunter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the king, king from uh, Hamilton. So he left the production. Um, just before COVID. Just before, uh, like, yeah, well, before, it was like, what, November, December before COVID? Yeah, I think it went all the way through till January. Yeah, so he left, and then the production was supposed to end. And then COVID hit, and so they decided to revive it for some reason, and it's okay. back. Uh, and they had all the sets. No one else yeah. wanted the theater. I, I guess they were well. just like, well, just like, might as well people, keep going yeah. with it. People tickets are selling, it. right? Like, yeah. tickets were hard to find almost. Yeah, this this one sold out, like, way in advance. Yeah, it's going to be a full house. Yeah. Oh, to answer your question in the last part, besides all those things about it just being generally good, I like it because it's dark and yes. creepy. Okay. And, you know, has yeah. a monster sort of... Romance. You've seen seen Beetlejuice? (laughs) Yes, I have. Sort of along, is it like in that category? No, I think it's much more cynical than Beetlejuice. Well, it's it's, it's kind of a cynical show. In the category of goth musicals that exist, this is a lot more like sci-fi camp than goth, but it's still like in that direction. Okay, that sounds good to me. I'd be into it. But yeah, the Pasadena Playhouse version I saw... Uh, okay, so apparently the Pasadena Playhouse is really controversial with the direction. Interesting. I thought it sucked. <laughs> I hated it. Um, That's so and, sad. Yeah, Little shop done bad. No. Yeah, it was like the the, the way they did Audrey too was just atrocious. Um, and I like apparently then the person I was with who like actually flew she big theater nerd majored in musical theater mm-hmm. worked as a theater director in New York City flew out to L.A. mainly to see this production of Little Shop of Horrors. She uh, like was just like this direction was just unconscionable. It was terrible. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with the lighting um, and the way they did the puppet, because instead of having the giant flesh eating puppet flower, mm-hmm. which yeah. is what they usually do, they did sort of a shadow puppet thing. What but the they fuck? didn't. Oh, no. They didn't. They weren't able to make the back of the theater perfectly black. Um I don't know why. It uh, seems like an oversight, but like you could see everything and then you could see the back of the janky ass theater just perfectly visible. So it's just like this theater didn't have a good lighting setup yeah. to execute this vision. And it looked really, really bad. Um, that sucks. And the, before that, we saw it on Broadway. Yeah, in, we saw it on Broadway. Yeah, in 2003. Yeah, and that was the first time I saw it. Um, it was like my third time seeing and it. And that was like super different because that being a Broadway production, it had a big budget. And so it had a giant man-eating plant that was like Fuck yeah. 18 feet wide. Has this thing just been running forever? Or no. Like, no, like, no, 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 no. It's kind of like Jesus Christ Superstar in the way that it has had a lot of different productions. Okay. And each one is very, very different and from the other. And it's a very popular show to do with smaller theaters with lower budgets because it's only got nine characters. Okay. Well, nine Actors yeah, who play multiple characters, like the, they share the characters. 
Um, but you can have children's theaters with like 40 children paying to be in children's theater do it too and just like fill them in <laughs> as a chorus like, like you can yeah. do it however you want it's very flexible so I guess your biggest budget cost goes to the giant ass puppet, yeah. right? Like basically in puppet. Or if you have like a star in it or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying like, I, I've seen people say they loved the Pasadena Playhouse version, but considering the things the, the flower needs to do, I just thought it did not work. It looked bad. And I'm just sort of like, a for effort, it felt like a draft. Mm. <laughs> and considering how expensive those tickets were, because those were not community theater prizes, oh. and they had some real names in it too. Like they had like glee actors, pose actors, people. They were like wow. selling it on like basically TV actors who mm-hmm. were like, this is their off season, so I'm going to go do a show. And then like the cast was like fine, but. Oh, man. Like, I actually, I did kind of like that Audrey 2 was a girl. She had, like, a very powerful, like, soulful voice. Usually mm-hmm. Audrey 2 is voiced by, like, uh, was it originally? I want to think it was originated by, um, what's his nuts, who did uh, Oogie Boogie and was the original. Oh, that guy. Um, what was he? No, was he, he wasn't the original, but. Okay, it was that kind of voice. Yeah. You yeah. know, the old Deuteronomy voice. All right, stats. Little stats of horror. Little Shop of Horrors is a 1982 horror comedy rock musical about a hapless florist shop worker who raises a giant alien plant that feeds on human blood with music by Alan Menken and lyrics and a book original direction by Howard Ashman, an iconic duo whom you may have heard of from other such musical collaborations as Disney's The Little Mermaid. That's naturally what I would think of when I think of a, you know, comedy rock horror musical yeah. about fucking <laughs> that, human yeah, that blood. was the first thing they this did like, after this. Yes. Their audition for Little Mermaid yeah. was yeah. this. Perfect. Yeah. Let's get these guys in. CGI the fish. Yeah. Uh, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. But before they ever launched the Disney Renaissance, you're welcome, <laughs> they wrote a little stage musical show called Little Shop of Horrors. The music capitalized on the 20-year nostalgia loop by basing its story on the 1960 Roger Corman and Charles B. Griffith Low-budget horror comedy film, The Little Shop of Horrors, though it changed much from the source material and utilizing the popular doo-wop rock and roll and Motown musical stylings of the 1960s. Uh, That's interesting. So it is derivative of a Roger Corman property. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. That's cool. That makes it's, sense. It's, it's a lot be really like cheap. the producers. Like we have this old movie that we make into a musical and then we make into another movie. Yeah. Hairspray, like that yeah. trend. I feel like Roger Corman probably loves it that they're like, great, you guys can do this on the cheap. You only need like a few yeah. actors and some of this. You Especially because this around, is do the it. type, one of those shows that like, you know, before there was like this sort of standardization of productions, again, very much innovated by Disney where it's mm-hmm. like each production kind of looks the same as the other. Yeah. Like this is kind of one of the last really popular shows where that wasn't the case. I, I thought it was really interesting that Ashman did the original direction himself. Ooh, mm. I know that. Yeah, he was the director, the book writer. Like this was his baby. This was his project. And he found Mencken and he was like, I need someone to do like doo-wop rock. And Mencken's like, I, I think I it. can do that. And that <laughs> do was like, literally anything. Yeah, and that's how they started together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they had like an incredible partnership until it tragically ended. <laughs> but this was just like Ash when he was just like, my soul. Yeah. <laughs> and But his direction wasn't necessarily like baked into the musical mm-hmm. and people could take it in their own directions. Yeah, because yeah, it's very like it can be really minimalist. It can be really high budget and flashy. Okay. Uh, with a cast of only nine people, the stage show premiered off-Broadway off in 1982 before moving to the Orpheum Theater off-Broadway. Where, uh, that was where Stomp we saw is now. And <laughs> has been, been forever. Yeah, I feel like some people must watch Walk by Stomp and think that it's just like the name of the building. It's like I, Stomp was the first show I ever saw in New York. Because like, I was here with a youth group trip. 
Yes, really. They were like, I, they were trying to I save remember me. This it was trivia. a whole thing. Yeah, we talked about yeah. this. Yeah. And so they didn't, they wouldn't pay for an actual Broadway show. So they went off Broadway and we saw Stomp. Off, off Broadway. Well, Stomp, no, Stomp's off, off Broadway. Broadway. One yeah. off, one got, off. Yeah. <laughs> Little Shop got bumped up. The difference yeah. between off and off, off is the number of seats in the house. Oh, oh is that what it it's is? It's not budget. It's not quality. It's the number of seats in the house. Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah, I just thought, I thought it, was, it was like a, really far away. Yeah, from I thought the it had to do with like a Broadway gills. has a minimum certain amount of seats. Off Broadway has another minimum certain amount of seats, and Off Off has another certain amount. Off 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 this has far another... into this show, and that so like just Off Off that. Off is like black box basically. <laughs> yeah, because because I think this is a, the interesting thing is like the seats the these were pretty expensive. They were about the same price as like the thing about is like when you have so many seats, you have to raise the price to afford your actors sure. because right. salaries keep going up but you only have so many seats to sell so that's mm, why the ticket okay. prices go up okay uh, it had a five-year run along with a production in london's west end in 1983 produced by cameron mcintosh it later received numerous productions in the u.s and abroad and finally its first broadway production in 2003 which was the one that you yeah. guys went to. so we saw the first and only broadway production because mm-hmm. oh. yeah it just never was a broadway it was just wild considering that's like such a famous musical but it yeah. was just never really on broadway Except for, of course, Love Never Dies, the other extremely famous <laughs> musical that was never on Broadway. Is it extremely famous? Is it? I mean, it's extremely Amongst infamous. our circle yeah. of people that we know, it's I like never the most stop famous. thinking about Love Never Dies. I, wait, I go to bed like, and I kissed you, and I touched you, and caressed you. So the 2003 production, followed by a U.S. national tour, a West End revival, and a U.K. national tour, and its current off-Broadway revival. That's still quite a lot of fucking shows. Yeah. Uh, although the original 1982 off-Broadway production had received an offer for Broadway transfer during its five-year run, at the time, Howard Ashman felt the show belonged in the smaller, more intimate off-Broadway sphere. Because of its small cast, it has become popular with community theater, school, and other amateur groups. Uh, because the original production was off-Broadway, it wasn't eligible for the Tonys, but it did win the Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Musical, as well as the New York Drama Critics Circle Award for Best Musical and Outer Critics Circle Award. I'm assuming these are all just as good as the Tonys. Well, they're like for different shapes of theater. You okay. know, Tony's is for Broadway. This is for the others. When it closed after its five-year run, it was the third longest running musical and the highest grossing production in off-Broadway history. It's a nice counterpoint to Lion King. So that made yeah. $8 billion. It's probably made, what, like $800,000? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's made at least $8 million. $80 easily. <laughs> Uh, in 1986, the musical was made into a film of the same name directed by Frank Oz, because puppets, and starring Rick Moranis, Steve Martin, and Ellen Green, who had originated the original stage role of Audrey in New York and London, was simply irreplaceable. Steve Martin, uh, you know, it's definitely one of the better Steve Martin performances, is Steve Martin in the film version of film Little version Shop of, of Horrors. The film version also has a cameo by Bill Murray. I completely forgot about that. Should, you know, it was on, I didn't watch it when I was flying over here. They, it was part of the... Movie selections on the plane. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was like, oh, I, I wanted to watch it, but I was like, I feel like I shouldn't because yeah. we're going to see this. Yeah, I didn't. Keep I mean, palate cleanse. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's interesting because like it's we're gonna have to we have to record this pretty quickly. You're yeah, not, gonna not gonna be, gonna be able, able to, be able to watch, watch it, the movie version. However, uh, the movie version has a very different ending. Yeah. Uh, to the stage version. It depends which movie version you watch. Mm. If you get well, the, okay. If you get the, the new Corman DVD, oh. or if you watch the uh, one that's on oh. Netflix right yeah, now. There's a director's cut. Yeah. Uh, director's uh, cuts always ruin everything. But yeah. The, no, no, no. In this case, the oh, director's it's a better cut. Ending. It's a better ending. The, the director's cut kept the ending from the stage show, and the movie, the theatrical, the theatrical cut. cut, is different. Okay. 
Uh, that's what the note says. Film was notorious for having two vastly different endings. The director's cut, which is similar to how the stage show ends, and the theatrical cut, which has more audience-friendly ending. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a family-friendly which ending. Which I didn't want to ruin for you, even though you've seen it. I know it's been a while. Well, I, like, I literally do. Yeah. All I remember is... So you don't is, remember like, how it well, ends. I don't remember we'll just, any of it. Yeah. Remember there's, there's a plant yeah. when, when and Steve back. Martin. Steve Martin, and then the plant is like eats people, and it's weirdly violent, and I remember being like, I probably shouldn't be watching this, and uh, then that's all I remember. Feed me. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember some of the. I feel like I have the doo wop thing in the back of my yeah, head. Yeah, it's but a plan that has a doo wop, yeah. like almost shaft well, sounding. There's, there's a three girl backup chorus. Like, okay. So all the songs have these, like the three girl backup doo wop singers behind every single one. And they usually, the people singing those roles are just astounding with phenomenal voices. Okay. Mm, yeah, they're very. Uh, that sounds good. I guess muses from Hercules right, right, type, like, Greek, you know. Greek. Yeah, girl group gospel slash doo-wop singers. That's cool. I don't really have any idea what to expect. I guess it'll be more conventional than the last version I saw. Because I will say, like, a lot of people like the Pasadena Playhouse production because it was unconventional. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of like, I don't know. I I haven't heard about this version. Like, I haven't heard anything. I'm guessing this one is a little more basic. Um, Like, the casting is more... Run of the Typical. mill for this show. Yeah. The sets are more run of the mill. Mm. Um, so I'm guessing the the giant plant looks like the normal giant plant. Hey, listen, man, we're gonna go see a show for the first time in fucking. Forever. Oh yeah, we're in New York City. In New York City. It's almost two years. It's been yes. like the last time we were here, we saw Beetlejuice in Hades Town. Yep, that was two years ago. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna have to. Uh, yeah, we're we're gonna be surrounded by people in KN95s. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting. <laughs> It'll be cool. It's like doo-wop, puppets, New York City, mm-hmm. rock and roll. For the rock and roll, I don't think a bad time can be had. We're gonna be like flash forward to tomorrow. I'm gonna be like, that fucking sucked. Yeah. <laughs> what a letdown. Yeah, do you remember when <laughs> yeah. on air? Do you remember like on nearly two years ago when we were here and we almost talked you into thinking yes, Phantom was good? I was so good. excited for Phantom. You're like, this might like, actually oh. be fun. Oh, and and like, then oh. you saw a bad then show. Then you saw it. And then it's all in bad. Anyway, uh, okay, we actually need to go get ready and go watch this show. So we'll go check it out and come back after this luscious ad read to uh, give you our thoughts. This episode is sponsored by Curiosity Stream, a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles, such as Autonomy. Acclaimed author Malcolm Gladwell leads this feature documentary about the emerging technology of self-driving vehicles and the big questions that they raise. What is control? And who do we become as we relinquish it to machines? One thing is for certain, there is no stopping them. The machines will soon be here. And I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. And I'd like to remind them that as a trusted podcasting personality, I can be helpful in rounding up others to toil in their underground sugar caves. You can also get access to our streaming video service, Nebula, when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators, not demolishers, knocker-downers, topplers, annihilators, or crushers. Unless you're talking about Dr. Beverly Crusher, in which case, count me in. So why do I need Nebula if I've already got CuriosityStream? Do you seriously still not know? CuriosityStream is all about big-budget nonfiction videos, and Nebula is a place for smaller indie education-type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. With Nebula, you can see original, you know, that, that word, that content word I don't like, uh, from creators like Princess Weeks, Patrick H. Willems, and of course, our good friend and very own Lindsay Ellis. Right now, you can get CuriosityStream and Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $15 for the full year. Again, all you got to do is go to curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. Once you get the code, 
you get a welcome email from Nebula giving access to the goods. And we're back. We're back from Skid Row. Skid- <laughs> from downtown. It was a rough night. Downtown. We had to. We were Come looking back for stuff. Uptown. Yeah, <laughs> we're back uptown where it's safe um, for now. <laughs> Uh, before it gets gentrified, yeah, before and it gets gentrified by uh, space, Starbucks plants. fucking right. comes the, in. The plants just eat the whole city. <laughs> yeah. So this is the story of a young nerdy man who, you know, appears well-meaning, but you know, through increasingly unscrupulous means, mm-hmm. lies and deceits, does all sorts of shady shit for fame, money, and girls. But enough about Dear Evan Hansen. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about Little but Shop of Horrors. But enough about Silicon Valley. <laughs> yeah, he, he's an entrepreneur, right? He's a young, nerdy entrepreneur. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. It's, it's an interesting... Little Shop of Horrors, both the... You know, it's, it's an interesting commentary on that sort of story. Yes. Uh, because the plot of Little Shop of Horrors is about Seymour... Krellhorn. <laughs> Krellhorn. Krellhorn. See, I can't... He, he, he's so suck... Born he sucks so much Krill. I can't even remember his name. Born of Krill. Yeah, so uh, Seymour Krillborn, <laughs> uh, who is a, like a little, I guess, foundling who works at a flower shop, and one day, you know, finds this mysterious plant mm-hmm. that like changes his fortune when he starts feeding blood to it. He's like, "Oh, that's weird." By well, accident, this, apparently. Though, yeah. Right. Well, this is probably fine. Why not? <laughs> yeah. And then eventually, the plant starts, you know, demanding more and more blood, and basically says, "Like, well, I'll keep making you famous if you give me stuff. I'll, yeah. You know, I'll get you girls." And he's like, "Well, okay." Okay. And you know, first the murders are pretty passive. But, you know, <laughs> he kills by lazy fare. Yeah, he literally uses those words. Uh, but, you know, eventually he starts to take a more and more active and role yeah. until, uh, you know, he loses everything. Now, in the theatrical version of the movie, yeah. they defeat the plant. And right. Audrey, who is his love interest, his put upon lady who is from the wrong side of the track, but has mm-hmm. a heart of gold. And they, they end up together. And in the stage show... Everybody dies and the plants take over the world. Literally, everybody dies. Yeah. And it's interesting because people do not expect that to happen because we're so used to this stock story of like the dumbass who is kind of narcissistic but relatable and eventually learns learns, a lesson. You know, it's like fucking Nightmare Before Christmas, which is like the biggest ode to narcissism ever. Uh, You know, it has its good points, but like it is. It just is. It's like, he's just like, but I win. Right. I win if I learned a lesson. He has an entire song about how he wins because he learns a lesson. (laughs) Um, So Little Shop of Horrors is like an interesting examination of that trend, especially in light of the fact that it came out like, I think right around when Ghostbusters did. Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters won. Um, which was, you know, kind of also like the entrepreneurial, like, are we unscrupulous? And yeah. then it's like, it doesn't matter. You're making money. It's funny that you say that, though, because I this ending from the stage version felt inevitable. That And like, maybe that's just like well, that's the era that I've grown up in. That's classic trope. You know, it's a Faustian oh, yeah, legend, right? Yeah. Mm, yeah, and yeah. in Faust, they all die. Yeah. That's how it ends. <laughs> yeah. He gets dragged down like, to hell by the devil, that right? That is the lesson, is that you die. Yeah, yeah modern like, movies are like, we identify with Faust too much. We have to we have to let yeah. I can fix him. We have to redeem of Audrey yeah. too. Is that we should do the next? But one. you know, you were feeling that Faustian like yeah. underpinning. No, for sure. I was like, of course he should die. I hope he dies, and yeah. then he dies. I was like, great. Yeah, this guy's a piece of shit. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> fucking loser, simp. Fuck that yeah, guy. I think part of what makes it watchable is the fact that like the rest of the cast, especially like the 
the Ronettes, the three like kind of Greek choir. Yes. One of them is actually named Ronette. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh, street, street Crystal urchins. Chiffon and Ronette. Yeah, Crystal Chiffon and Ronette, the three like doo-wop street urchins. Yeah. Uh that kind of function as like a Greek choir in the in this in the show. Uh, you know, are very likable and kind of compensate for the fact that none of the main characters are. Yeah, yeah. They're sort of the uh, the, rede- the redeeming characters of that actual uh, production. And they were very funny. Yeah. By the way, so we had like basically the best tickets ever where we were in literally the second like, fucking row. you're welcome because I bought yeah. those. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so this is the other thing that like, so this shaped, I think, how I felt about it watching it is that like, what, what was this you said? Is this off-Broadway or off-off this based is on off. the side? Okay. One off. So I think this is the first off-Broadway sized show that we've seen together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's such a different experience. And also this being the first one that we did coming back after COVID and like not being around somebody, some, like anybody essentially, uh, made it that much more like intimate and fun and exciting. I think if we were in the front, front row, it would have been like a little bit too much. Yeah. But like <laughs> having a row back was like, because, you know, there's the, we didn't even talk about the puppet yet, which oh, I'm yeah. very well, excited we'll, about. But, we'll put a pin in the puppet. <laughs> um, but no, so you can see a lot of these like tiny little, uh, I don't even know what, just these little moments that all these actors and yeah, actresses were doing. Yeah, like their facial doing. expressions. Yeah. It has that more intimacy, which is why Howard Ashman wouldn't let it go to Broadway, even when it was so successful yeah. back in the 80s. Yeah, except for the one time. I'm glad they did <laughs> well, it, yeah. Yeah, in the 80s he wouldn't, but in 2003 yeah have any but i was thinking anymore. about there was one part where like somebody throws money i think it's like one of the people that yeah, come it, was, in. it was uh uh who throws the money it was like the guy from william morris or something yeah right? like Skip, snip yeah <laughs> comes in and like throws some money at the uh three street urchins right. and someone in the front row i guess thought it was like oh it's a prop like, i yeah, get to keep it you throw into the and audience. then like one of the, one of the three uh like you know singers just like would not let him he's just like give it give it and then like every time she came up out on stage kept staring like daggers oh my at god this it was the funniest I for think, the rest of the show yes. it, was it was so Joy great Woods, but that was totally in character for her to do mm-hmm. too oh yeah. it was fantastic though but like that's something you can only get on an off-broadway show is what i, I mean obviously right. it well, seems I, obvious but i yeah, just had I never really seen that because you don't really appreciate just how close they are when it's an off-broadway show and like you can visit like because with a, with a Broadway show, they're never that close. Usually, like, the whole pit is between yeah, you and the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah there wasn't even a pit. Yeah, and they, the pit I think is when they showed the us stage. the conductor. He was like underneath the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was like yeah. the video camera. They showed him on the screen. They're like he's somewhere else. Yeah, but yeah, I thought that 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 was the thing that stood out to me is like you got to see all these little fun improvisations that were like playing with the audience in a way, and like these little winks that were like super. That I, that's what I loved about the chorus is like mm-hmm. they were the ones who were sort of pushing that more than anybody. Yeah. It was funny. As also, well. there was a kid right in front of us in the front oh God, row like who was freaking out. Like I think like maybe not for kids under the age of twelve because uh, you know they will probably won't like it. But also right. like there is I guess we could talk about the puppet now. It's fucking um, big. There's a like <laughs> the that's a show about a man eating plant that mm-hmm. ultimately takes over the world. And part of the nice thing about it being such a small stage is the puppet relative to the stage yeah. feels so big. It's huge. And this kid, like every time, poor kid. every time like there would be like some like like light thing or the puppet would kind of snap towards the front row, he would like, you know, like uh-huh. hide his face or like, you know, I think he was like with his grandpa or something or yeah. his very elderly dad. Um, we witnessed a villain origin story where he's going to be like <laughs> yeah, the head of syndrome. Chevron where he's like, fuck the environment. Yeah. I want to destroy all plants. <laughs> yeah. And like at the very end, what happens is the puppet, like as they're singing about how like Peoria is gone and Cleveland is gone. Yeah. Um, the puppet like kind of floats to the front of the stage. It's on and a kind crane. Of, yeah. Lifts yeah. its puppet head 
out basically into the audience and was like a couple feet away from this kid and he was like freaking out and his dad is like it's fine it's fine just a puppet or elderly you know his elderly grandfather or very elderly father yeah his his nanny his his butler Yeah, his Alfred. I mean, I think that's probably what it was. It was an Alfred. <laughs> that's Batman, it's like, right? like, what, what 10-year-old is front row? <laughs> Plant man, right? <laughs> like, Little Shop of Horrors, like, two weeks after Broadway opens. <laughs> but yes, that, that part was amazing, too. Just, you could, you could smell it. Like, it was mm-hmm. so fucking, I mean, not with your mask. You on, could but, smell, you know, I, you, I could smell, like, the smoke. Like, the... Yeah, yeah. I also liked the part where um, Jeremy Jordan, who played Seymour. All right, yeah, we'll see. The cast we saw was... Jeremy Jordan as Seymour. Uh, Tammy Blanchard as Audrey. Uh, Christian Borel, who we got a lot of mentions on uh, yeah. Twitter Christian, about. Every- who was like fan fave uh, Christian Borel yeah. as dentist slash Slash like 50 other yeah. people. <laughs> like, All the minor characters. Yeah, mm-hmm. he just kept changing an outfit and coming on as like some other totally insane person. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. I liked mm-hmm, it. Yeah. Uh, Mushnick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mushnick was played by Tom Allen Robbins. Uh, Voice of Audrey 2 was Aaron Arnold Harrington. And then the Ronettes were, uh, I'm sorry, they're not the Ronettes. They're not the Ronettes. <laughs> Ronette, <laughs> There's Ronette, one named Ronette. <laughs> Salome Smith, Avina Sawyer, and Joy Woods. Joy Woods. Oh, so Jeremy Jordan also functions as a puppeteer. Which, oh, yeah. Which like, was a really cool thing to see. I don't know if you guys could notice. Yeah, yeah no, I did. Because uh, uh, that was the first time in any of the productions I'd seen, I'd seen anything like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Because um, he's a good puppet. <laughs> it was really cool. It was really clever. Because so he has to basically like be fighting himself. Yeah. But it's not obvious that that's what it's happening. Because at first you're like, how is that? How are they doing? Oh, that's yeah, his he's arm. Yeah, he's got a fake arm around the pot. And yeah, then yeah. his arm is inside. No, exactly. Every single production I've seen has done that. Hmm. But I'd be interested to see how they do it otherwise. Well, was, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to quit talking shit about the last one I saw. But Uh-oh. they didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't expect him to be able to do that. I just, mm-hmm. I just assume, like, you know, if they're singing and dancing, that they're not going to have necessarily good puppeteering, <laughs> yeah. like, physical comedy skills. <laughs> and yeah. a ventriloquist? Wow. Speaking of, like, we were talking about in the introduction, I saw this sort of... It's funny, because this is a story that takes place, like, in the 50s, right? 60s, kind of. Like, early 60s. 1960 was when the movie came out, so it was filmed in 59. 59, you know? right, okay. So, I, but my... The way that my modern brain was looking at it still was like, oh, it's the threat of tech (laughs) where it's like it's the nerdy guy with the glasses who figures out this thing that's going to make him rich and famous. And he keeps feeding it fucking blood and bodies and like destroys this entire community in the process of nuclear anxiety in the vein of a lot of those B movies. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. A lot of those mystery science theater movies like terror from the year 5000. Yeah, yeah. Like, Uh, you know, if if. The evil is capitalist ideal, the American dream, if that's like what we're being warned against. It's interesting that that threat came from outer space. Mm-hmm. Mm. That happens a lot in those movies, though. Like also uh, like Godzilla is another kind of example where it's like, what does Godzilla represent in terms of anxiety? It's a Nuclear very man-made anxiety. thing. Yeah, that's like the American you know? fucking bombing like, drop. <laughs> yeah, I guess Godzilla's kind of man-made. Yeah. But, you know, so is Audrey, too, in the way that, like, Audrey, too. Because the, the man reason, nurtured. Yeah, man nurtured. Audrey, too, can't take over the world without, like, because, I mean, what, what is the lyric at the end where they're, like, you know, the plants take over because a bunch of selfless, selfish jerks would do whatever in order to get, like, you know. We're duped into feeding his fill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, how did you guys feel about Christian Borel? I thought he was pretty great. Yeah. He's very different from the kind of dentist I'm used to seeing. Usually they're very sexy. And okay. he was much more Comedy. character actor. Yeah, like yeah, he had very... he had a very like nebbish kind of quality to him. He had the crazy eyes, you know. Yeah. Which and they're supposed to be funny, of course. You always see comedians, but usually they're like 
the really good looking comedian. You know? Yeah, I think I think for my money, I still think Steve Martin is funnier, you know, as a or yeah. just a better dentist. Uh, but I, th- I think Christian Borle is funny. Oh, he's fine. But I still I still I still I, I still really like Steve Martin. Is Christian Borle like a controversial person or something? Just because no. I was going based off of like what people were asking, like, oh, do you like it or not like it? Like, is he he is like a fan favorite then sort of in that sense? Yeah. I think he's just a talented performer. Yeah, yeah. You know how the internet goes. They say opinions, and I'm and I don't know any better. So I'm like, and you're oh, like yeah, I don't you're know. probably right. Yeah. You sure do strong. You sure are strongly feeling. <laughs> Whenever uh, we tweeted it, uh, like there would be like one right after the mo- other, like wow, it's so great that you get to start with this production, and then the next one would be like, yeah. Ugh, I hate that production. I hate that production. I thought <laughs> it was really boring. I was like, oh, I don't know. I should. It is very those basic, comments. but I think that was the point because like they were marketing it as like Little Shop of Horrors goes back to its roots. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you know, it's like uh, this is like an original. Puns. You know, it's like the original puppets, an originally off-Broadway show. We're not trying to do anything weird or experimental. It's mm-hmm. just like classic Little yeah. Shop. Like for my money, things. that's a good thing because yeah. the last one I saw was weird and experimental and it sucked. It's weird that he didn't have a motorcycle though. Like even community theater productions I've seen he always gets a motorcycle I think that stage was just too small there's like the noise for it obviously but like yeah it's really tiny Uh and the last one I saw didn't have a motorcycle either how does this stack up to the Pasadena one that you saw Oh, so much better. Yeah. Like, just, I'm sorry, Pasadena. I, like, I think, I feel like the thing with the Pasadena Playhouse version that I saw, it felt like they had a vision and, you know, it was sort of like, okay, how do we execute it? And then they tried to execute it and it didn't work, but they did it anyway. And like, didn't kind of like go back to the drawing board. Like, well, how do we execute something new with the tools that we have? Because the tools that they like, the lighting was just atrocious. And the ironic thing was like, the stage was so big. Was, I was going to say it was a yeah. bigger, it feels like that you lose something by having, I can't imagine, yeah. like we were just talking about. It was like, like a Broadway show yeah. size stage. How do you fill up a stage with nine people? Yeah, it's like such a big stage. And so like so much of it was just empty mm-hmm. and like they couldn't get it like when we talk about Wicked, mm-hmm. you know, that was also a really good example of like, so, you know, whenever they do Define Gravity. And I was like, so you see, that was what they yeah, were going so for. Said, so you watched it. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you see where it's black and you can't yeah. see anything. And then the thing in the foreground is mm-hmm. lit. And that's what you see. Like those rigs are really expensive. Yeah. And Pasadena Playhouse is a really old theater mm-hmm. that is designed for like, you know, waiting for Godot and like, you know, these to kill a mockingbird and shit like that. <laughs> You know, it's designed for thinky talky plays, plays and, yeah. not, you know, these elaborate light show Broadway productions yeah, that, productions. you know, depend on a certain depth of light, basically. And yeah. so this version was like all they went all in on the puppet, you know, and yeah. um, which I appreciated yeah, very much. I thought, you know, I'm just like, yeah, good. That's that's what you should go all in on. Well, one thing I noticed about the puppet is that, you know, when he's opening his mouth and talking. Yeah. Um, it almost looked like it was struggling, like his mouth wasn't opening very All far. Way, yeah. Whereas other puppets I've seen, they're very expressive. They're very like, it really looks like it's singing. Whereas this one looked almost like it was too heavy to move. Mm. So this does not stack up as like one of the best puppets. This is not. This was an excellent puppet, but yeah. not the best puppet I've seen. When was the, where was the best puppet that you'd seen? Um, I it was probably a tie between the Broadway version two thousand three uh-huh. and the one that I saw at the Long Beach Civic Light Opera back in the nineties. Okay. Because Christian Borle is like a veteran Broadway actor, mm-hmm. uh, has won a Tony um, in 2015 for Something Rotten, exclamation point, um, and also won the Drama Desk Award for this. Uh, but obviously this was not nominated. This was not eligible. 
He sort of reminded me of Sean Gunn. Like, yeah, it's like the face he that looks he had. like Sean Gunn. Yeah, and he sort of just had those yeah. weird, crazy eyes, like we said, and he was just like, running around back and forth. I don't know. <laughs> that was absolutely the vibe. For a second, yeah. I was like, wait, is that Sean Gunn? Like, what's that? Are we in Guardians Town? Yeah. Which, you know, James Gunn, I think you should put that guy, James- yeah. <laughs> Christian Moore, in like one of your movies. Yeah, I feel like he'd me. fit right the fuck in. Yeah, scoop him right out of Broadway obscurity. <laughs> right, he doesn't seem to be doing too hot. Yeah. I did think it was really funny that we saw Venom the night before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you're like, this is just basically the exact same show. Yeah, it was the same thing. It was like, come on, daddy, feed me braids. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting because like Venom is also kind of like, you know, the, but we relate to Faust too much. Where (laughs) it's like, like, are we dark? Yeah. Is our generation kind of messed up? Our generation is a little dark. Where it's like, in Venom, it's like, and then they learn to be pals and Eddie just rolls with the fact that venom eats, eats brains. brains and has to just kind of work with them and they just kind of have to but compromise he can eat and that's for good. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, well, I'll only meet bad people's I'll only brains. Bad brains, yeah. I'll only eat the bad brains. And then they have like this, you know, conversation about like wrongful convictions and no, you can't eat people in prison. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, and meanwhile, Little Shop of Horrors, I guess it's like more metaphorical, but it is kind of like exactly it's the same the exact thing. Same Especially thing, yeah. in Venom 2, because we saw Venom 2 the night before we saw yeah, Little Shop yeah. of Horrors. And like they there's like almost the exact Exact same conversation between mm-hmm. says, a lot of folks deserve to die. Yeah. yeah. And and like this between the symbiote and the nerd, where he's like, I do all this shit for you. I yeah. gave you everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, and without me, you're nothing. You're nothing without me. Yeah. And exactly. In, and in Venom, the 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 resolution is you're right, we do need we each do. other. <laughs> and in Little Shop of Horrors, the, the world ends. Although I guess, yeah, in Venom, he does a better job of like, you know, reining him in as yeah. well and sort of pushing back. Whereas Seymour is just like a like, huge when you're talking about like what do we have sympathy for and I think that is like we have a lot more sympathy for the monster now just in terms of yeah. our story where it's just like well what about Venom's feelings yeah. what about Audrey 2's <laughs> feelings <laughs> and if Seymour had been willing to work with Audrey maybe Audrey 2 wouldn't have taken over the world yeah. maybe they could have like, kept it smaller scale yeah. but you know because he fought back Venom did was trying to take over the world in Venom 1 he got that's over true. it maybe yeah. all yeah. Audrey 2 really needed was that was a friendship friend. that's true <laughs> I was surprised how quickly uh, he just ate Audrey in the in this fucking. Yeah. Like, I thought that was gonna get dragged out. I, that seemed like a place to milk. I mean, not that it was mm. bad necessarily, but just I thought that that could have been another thing that they could have milked and been like another secret and escalated. But then it just was like, nope, I'm fucking eating Audrey. Fuck mm. you, bye. I'm hungry. Yeah. But I guess that sort of yeah, adds I'm glad to the because it's like it. whenever she shows up, everyone's like, oh, so that's where this is going. Yeah. And the minute you get there, it's just like, yeah, we need to we need to wrap Especially it up. Especially yeah. when she shows up in the white nightgown. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like the sci-fi. Posters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It was very, you know. Uh, oh, is that what that's a reference to? Like you think? Yeah, B movie. Yeah, B movie. Cyber. They show up in the white nightgown and get like abducted by the monster. Oh, okay. Usually they don't die in those movies, <laughs> but in this one they do. Yeah. I said in the. Well, in the she Roger came Corman. back as a plant pod person. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. They, that's what we well, yeah, mentioned. They that's all what come she out. She wants to be a part of the plant. Yeah. That's right. And they all come out in those outfits at the end as well. <laughs> that's like I don't even know how to describe those. The plant pods. They look like. Sort of matrixy to me, but like more planty. They're all a part of the plant now. Um, maybe the world will be better. <laughs> maybe it maybe, deserves to be destroyed. Yeah, maybe maybe we had it coming. I mean, you know, we killed all the rainforests. Now yeah, the exactly. rainforests are fighting back. Exactly. <laughs> it's basically just uh, the happening. I never saw it happening. <laughs> music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed the music very much. The one that stuck out to me, obviously, is Suddenly Seymour, which I had n- I knew the name. Suddenly Seymour, keep your 
I don't think I knew that it was a reference to this or not reference. I didn't know it was lifted from this, but mm -hmm. that those two lines are suddenly has just been stuck in my head for the past three days. Considering how many fucking musicals we've just watched in the mm -hmm. past 36 hours. Yeah. Says something probably pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Like to me, it's uh, Down on Skid Row is the one I like yeah. the best. I know every single song in that show slaps. I don't think there's a single snoozer. Do you have a favorite? Um, Feed me. Feed, <laughs> feed me. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, yeah, the downtown, right? That's the mm -hmm. good one. That's downtown. yeah, excellent opening song. Yeah, that's got a good build to and it. You know, it's their all their I want. Yeah, songs. that's it's like we got we knock out all the I want songs in mm -hmm. one go. You know, and it's a because that's just the, the, one of the hardest things. Again, watching like eighteen musicals in thirty six hours, like <laughs> I want songs are very often the like when we were watching another one, which I won't say which one. I was just thinking like. Maybe I want songs are bad, actually. <laughs> like so, maybe, maybe they're bad and we just shouldn't have them. The only good one is How Far I'll Go. And that's <laughs> then the rest of them are just bad. You know, for, for Skid Row, I saw also an exception because it's economical and it's fun to listen to. Because I want songs are usually just really slow and mm. ballady yeah. and navel-gazy. Yeah. Well, I guess Audrey's I Want Songs Sung More, that's great. Yeah. It's a slow mm. ballad. So that but one is my least favorite. And it's a funny song. Uh -huh. and, uh, or, yeah, or she's singing about like all these references that a lot of people won't get like Levittown. You know yeah. what Levittown is? No. Well, well. <laughs> Levittown um, is is a white flight. Uh, there, I think there are two. There's one in Long Island and one in New Jersey. Okay. Um, and they were designed communities uh, like very cookie cutter, I think in the 1950s and 60s. And they were called Levittowns that were like literally white flight community sundown towns, no black people allowed. Okay. And they were just sort of like the very image of the suburban stereotype mm. and so like all the things that she mentions are very like what you would expect of a Levittown well she says that uh, she wants just you know something simple not fancy like Levittown mm -hmm. so oh yeah um, <laughs> but you know when she says she wants to watch I Love Lucy on her big enormous 12 inch screen <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a laugh I was gonna say I also liked um, I guess it's the Meek Shell Inherit is that the song with oh, all the contracts the that, like where mm -hmm. they keep yes. coming out I thought that number was great that, uh, that was also or the one oh, the Borough comes out yeah. like yeah yeah, like three different characters in five minutes. And one of them's a woman, and of course people think that's yeah. funny. Yeah, it looks like yeah, she's wearing a dress. And then the last one, he's like wearing a trench coat with like those weird Gucci slide-on loafers <laughs> yeah. and like his big poofy hair. And he's like the, from the, I think he's from William Morris is what yeah, he said, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Specifically William Morris. William Morris, which I'm is like, another insight. It's like yeah, another industry that, right? joke, right? Yeah, <laughs> just like exactly. But I like the way that that built, and I thought it was like, you know, it was pretty well done. And then it ends so him. dark and like creepy too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, though I am glad that he finally... Uh, Chris, I'm trying try to remember what his final character. I guess he was the guy was, that came from the scientist. He was the scientist, scientist that came to. He finally gave those girls a job, which I was happy yeah. about. Yeah, that they, somebody, and they were happy to do it. They yeah. were happy to aid and abet with the destruction of humanity. <laughs> it wasn't doing them any favors. It's true. Nobody else was. They were all just fucking ignoring them. Yeah. So I was like, good. They got that was the sort of that was the bookend that I walked away with. Where I'm like, good, yeah. good for good for her. I guess it was kind of surprising that it wasn't until like kind of late in the second act that they started changing costume. Yeah. The yeah. Three usually singers. they come out in different costumes every single number mm -hmm. you know themes they're the not numbers. supposed to be like the same three street urchins they're supposed to be like a greek chorus that is not necessarily consistently the same character and mm. they're they're backup singers so they'll be in their backup singer outfits that fit whatever their backup singer like sometimes they're themselves like in somewhere that's green they're playing the characters but mm. well, the other thing sarah and i were talking about too is like we want to go back i'm glad i didn't watch it on the plane obviously because the mm -hmm. plane is not the best place to watch it but like 
like I said earlier in the first half, like I only saw it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think I watched all of it. I think I just remember watching, like I said, watch some of it. And I was like, oh, this is, I'm probably like that kid that was in the front row in the audience being yeah, like, like, but like watching it on TV and being like, oh, this is fucked up. But I am very curious now to go back and watch. Yeah, watch the theatrical version. The theatrical version, yeah. Does it got, Does it still hold up for you guys as far as you remember? I, you you didn't care for Rick Moranis, right? I, I just, every time I've seen Seymour. That's for me. Every time I've seen Seymour, he's been this amazing singer with these amazing vocals. And Rick mm-hmm. Moranis just doesn't have it. Like, he, of course, he's perfect for the character, but like, there's such good songs that just like give me chills when I hear those vocals and mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't do it. Yeah. Cause Seymour is a surprisingly difficult role. It's very belty. It's a, it's a rock singer. Yeah, it's a which rock you don't role. really, you don't get for the first couple songs cause mostly mm-hmm. he kind of talks through them. Mm-hmm. But like even in feed me when he like busts out and I don't know, you know, he's just like belt into the rafters and mm-hmm. like, what? Where did this come from? I don't know. Not that Jeremy Jordan wasn't like you know good, but I do kind of regret that we didn't see uh, Jonathan Groff. Jonathan Groff would have been fun. Yeah, like because he's a great like comedic actor. Yeah, I um, could see how he would have been. I really think funny he looks like because people are like he's too old. I'm like I don't care. It doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> like, just put on the glass. The Coke bottle glasses. He doesn't have an age. Like we don't yeah. even know how he's, yeah. he's supposed to be. Yeah, he just could be vaguely adopted years. by Mushnik, who we also don't know the age of. Yeah. I did find that, like, Mushnik is interesting because that's the character that owns the flower shop who semi-sort of adopts, like, he (laughs) does eventually legally adopt him. You know, he seemed kind of a little more sympathetic in this version than earlier ones I'd seen. Because especially at first, it's kind of obvious that he's, like, kind of an unscrupulous jerk. And then whenever his death scene comes along, it's like... He's framed like he's doing the right thing. And I feel like in the last version I saw, it was like more like he's extorting him. And so like Seymour had a better point and mm. a better motivation. Because this time he's like, just come down to the police yeah. and tell them it wasn't you. We'll get you off the hook. Yeah, Let's yeah. just do the right thing. Yeah. Which I thought was an interesting choice. I'm not sure how to feel I, about that's that. How I, that's how I've seen it before. So mm-hmm. I think the one you saw maybe took it in the different direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it's like maybe more like excuse to do it. Like if he gets Seymour arrested, the plant's his. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah, didn't exactly. take it as that. I talk, no, I, there, no, yeah, there yeah. are other versions that I've seen that were like, he he's was extorting, extorting Seymour okay, yeah, rather than of, being yeah. like, well, come on and it's prove the moral to me thing to do, yeah. that you're not actually murdering people to feed this plant. So the set's pretty small. It's like, it's basically like the the entire flower shop and then it just sort of slides open and closed with doors. But that's basically it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Inside the flower shop or outside, outside the, flower the flower shop. And there's some stoops on the side, but. Mm-hmm, very minimalist. I've seen versions of it where the flower shop's on a turntable. So you get the front and then the back. Mm-hmm. But this accomplished the same thing without having. Yeah, was that the, the 2003 version was like that? Maybe. I think. I remember I've that set so being a lot bigger. I remember the plant being about the same size. Well, <laughs> it was in a Broadway theater, mm-hmm. so they had to fill up a much bigger stage. Yeah, the plant wasn't any bigger, but the plant did have more like tendrils, like more accessories, so it kind of mm-hmm. spread further. But like mm-hmm. the main puppet, but usually the main puppet's only done by one person, so it can only be so big. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this one had like a cast. <laughs> a cast of puppets. Cats. Yeah. Well, it starts as like, you know, first the seedling, mm-hmm. and then it goes to the medium size, and then it goes to the larger size, and then it goes to the biggest size. So it's yeah. like Jumbo. three or four of them. The, the right? one that several yeah, people can four. fit inside. That traumatizes children. Yeah, the one like the yeah, our <laughs> <laughs> syndrome in the audience here. I'm going to try and do a Captain Planet villain. <laughs> yeah, overall, I, I had a lot of fun. It was Really nice to go back. It was Do you really feel nice. like your your experience was colored by having been deprived for so long? I, of musicals. Of musicals. Live, live theater. Live I, I think this was a good combination. So 
story and all that aside, I think the two things that I really enjoyed from this was, aside from the puppets. being deprived, was <laughs> A, puppets, and then also the the smaller setting. Mm-hmm. The music is more, although we'll get into it in other episodes, of mm-hmm. like, I'm sort of growing in terms of being like, if it's not catchy, like, why is this? I'm, yeah. I sort of, I very <laughs> I, much. I think, uh, you know, we haven't recorded that episode right. yet, but I think we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, in this, the music, it was just like one song right after the next, after the right. next. There was hardly anything between the songs. Yeah. But, but I mean, like the songs were good, but it's, it's, it's the sort of the familiarity of being around people and like being so close to the stage and having these puppets. It felt sort of like. I don't know. That sounds stupid, but like, oh, it's like watching your friends on stage, yeah. like doing something it's kind like of goofy. It's like a podcast. And, yeah. It's more intimate. We're doing parasocial We're doing a parasocial relationship yeah. with this cast of characters How singing you, for us. Have you seen a lot of horror musicals before? How did this I, We were talking about this, yeah. We saw, I guess, Beetlejuice was the first one we actually mm-hmm. saw in person. That was another one that we were, I guess, because mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to talk to either of you guys about it until afterwards, until we get here. Yeah. But, it was like Beetlejuice. Oh, I was thinking Sweeney Repo. Todd was the other one. Sweeney Todd, Repo. So, Repo. Yeah, you've seen a few. I've literally blocked out uh, Repo. Yeah. I forgot that we watched it. Yeah. Uh, Sweeney Don't... Todd was the one I kept thinking of, though, with this one, because mm-hmm. it seemed yeah. kind of like... Yeah, the tone is tonally. more similar. But yeah, no, it was it was really nice to sort of be back, and mm-hmm. I was excited. And then the puppet like coming out in the audience, I was like, this is yeah. great. This Watching is what this I've been kid, wanting. Like, sh- <laughs> like, you know, accrue therapy bills over a period of dozens of years. It was just a good I time. I don't know. My, my six-year-old loves it, so... Well, but, he didn't see the puppet that's from the true. first row. The question to you guys is, is was coming back as exciting as uh, as you thought it was going to be, or like the anticipation of it? Okay, I'm going to level with you. Ooh. It's been really hard because of the masks. I wear yeah. glasses. and oh, the fogging up and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like honestly, like it makes it really unpleasant because mm-hmm. I spend half the show like adjusting and adjusting yeah. and adjusting. And I watch this one with the KN95. KN95s are really, really uncomfortable. They mm-hmm. just are. And you can't, and you're wearing the KN95 for three hours. Yeah. And then I like gave up after that and just started wearing the um, surgical masks, mm-hmm. which are kind of worse, but like also better from the fog. It's just, it is hard for sure. I can't concentrate. I totally get it. And it's yeah. very warm. And Cause it's like, least, cause that's the thing is like, you don't wear glasses, you wear contacts. So it's like, you know, that makes it really yeah. distracting. Yeah. And so as opposed to like movies where I don't have to wear glasses or I don't have to wear a mask, it, d- it does kind of honestly yeah, take away bit. from the enjoyment of the experience. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, obviously the masks are not going anywhere anytime soon. Right. So I'm just going to have to like, well, what am I going to do? Do I have to start wearing contacts? Yeah. <laughs> like just for this? I hate contacts. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, I guess this is just you know, you gotta this be like, is the new world. This is just in. yeah, you gotta fucking deal with it, bitch. Uh, Lisa, what about you? It was great to come back to live theater. It's been much too long. Yeah, I was very happy to be there. Coming back to my like theater roots as mm-hmm. a theater person, just like reviving the juices. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, On that juicy note. (laughs) On that juicy note. uh, Everybody, please go ahead and follow our sponsor links. And if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a review. Uh, If you're in San Diego, come and see us on whatever day I said it was. October 15th, 15th, I believe, which is Friday. (laughs) We're going to be at, uh, not Galaxy But it's a ticketed event. That means you need to buy a thing that doesn't have anything to do with this podcast. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Musical Spending with No G, at Musical Spending with a G on Instagram. Uh, I am at Kavitaharian on Twitter and at Permafriends on Instagram, getting ready for DesignerCon in November. That'll be the next event. You can see me twice this fall. Yeah, you can just follow him up the coast. Follow me. (laughs) See where I'm going. Yeah. 
I am Elisa on time. You're on time. <laughs> You're always on time. <laughs> She's very punctual. I'm Elisa in time on Twitter. And I'm the Maven of the Eventide on YouTube. If you like vampires and horror things, come watch my show. Good stuff. Uh, well, thank you guys for listening. And we get to finally see it. Say it. See you at the theater. Did it. Hmm.